Just a heads up that in this episode of Danger Film, we talk to Hunter Page Lockhart about his new film Jali, which deals with themes of suicide, and we do have a discussion about it. If you or anyone you know needs help, call Lifeline on 131114. This might take a couple of rounds, but... Unique New York. Unique <laughs> New York of wet washer Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wentworth. <clears throat> okay. Clever man. <laughs> Wentworth. Uh, Sasha Baron, Baron Cohen. Cohen. <laughs> Christopher? Christopher Lillet. Christopher Lillet. Ryan Atwood. Ryan Atwood. Margaret. <laughs> Atwood. Miranda. Miranda. July. 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 <laughs> hey, folks. You're hey, listening. Shut up, Jack. <laughs> hey, folks. You're listening to the Danger Film Podcast, where Jack and I interview filmmakers in the Sydney Film Festival. The theme this year is censorship, dangerous filmmaking, radical people, changing the way we make movies, watch movies, breaking cinema. Each episode is an interview with a filmmaker, and today we have the Huge pleasure of talking to Hunter Page Lockhart, star of Clever Man, ex Bengara dancer or current or always an ex. Are you always uh, a always an ex? I'm I'm always a guest whenever I do a show with Bengara. Yeah. Dancer, actor, filmmaker Hunter Page Lockhart. He's here talking about his new film Jali that's premiering at the Sydney Film Festival. It's a short film that he wrote and directed and starred in. We've been talking about. <laughs> A lot of different things <laughs> up until now, mostly Chris Lilly and uh, which Chris Lilly character we like. But we're going to talk films or whatever Hunter feels like talking about. Firstly, oh, the pressure, <laughs> pressure's on. <laughs> Firstly, welcome to the studio and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's good to it's good to be here in this creative environment. That's really nice. We're yeah. setting up a little creative environment. Can you talk about the creative environment you set up on your film Jolly? Oh, geez. Um, yeah, it was. It was kind of you know it it it, it happened so quickly because we um we made the film on like five thousand dollars or a little bit more than that um and it was completely independent and I kind of just emailed friends and and people that I've worked with on on sets of of shows that I've done or films that I've done and kind of got this little ragtag team together and then um and then scheduled scheduled it and then shot it in in 4 days we did 2 days at afters which was kind of fun cuz it was the first time i ever did like a studio shoot where like we got to design our own like room i guess and and dress it up and <laughs> uh and then 2 days in bo desert which is my grandfather's country and so that kind of has uh, significance within the film as jolly is a um word an aboriginal word from that part of australia so, can you give us a little synopsis for those who don't know? So, Jali is about a ex-dancer uh, who has been recently injured and has moved back to his family home. He's lost his uh, mother, his father, and just recently his dog. And obviously, his career is on the line as well. So, he's kind of in the midst of losing everything um, and doesn't know how to deal with that type of grief. His brother uh, comes and visits him and kind of gets him out of the house and he and he goes to the bush and is faced with his uh, demons and with the spirit of the bush to kind of give him an ultimatum of whether or not he wants to live or die and it's up to him so it's about suicide really suicide's such a huge thing in our culture in the world mainly you know youth youth suicide and a big thing in my family as well but i you know you know how most films when it comes to something quite dramatic like that like suicide or or, or death or something um at the end, you know, we were always left leaving the cinema or leaving the lounge room with that guilt because the person either does it 
or witnesses someone else do it um, most of the time. So I wanted to do a film where the main character has the opportunity to do it, but decides not to. I have a lot of uh, suicide around me as well, and I think it's something that is on an uptrend worldwide at yeah. all ages, especially youth, but also we've just lost Anthony Bourdain this past week. And Kate Spade as well. And Kate Spade as well. Both, like, well, one was in Paris, one was in New York, but both famous New Yorkers. Um, and there is a, a such thing as suicide um, contagion. Yeah. And the fact that this will upswing. But I think suicide is a really interesting topic to talk about with censorship because I think it's very important to talk about it. Definitely. In a certain way. But also in a complex way. Definitely, which is, which is you know, the, the feedback that 13 Reasons Why I got, um, you know, a lot of people were saying that, you know, it's the first season especially, you know, I just watched the second season and I kind of, you know, they definitely listened to the feedback that they got from the first season and they nailed it in the, in the way of, you know, making it, pointing it out that it isn't a glorified thing, that, that it isn't something the the repercussions of it are actually really bad and the and here are a group of people that are dealing with it and it's affecting their lives and these are the people that, that are left behind from someone who does that um, and how everyone is kind of affected in a way where they can do it themselves after that moment and there was giving it was getting all that feedback the first season of um of 13 reasons why where you know that they were glorifying suicide and stuff and I kind of I, I disagreed you know, when I watched it, like, like, yes, there's, you know, the tapes and it's kind of all beautiful and romantic, but it's really sad. <laughs> like, it, like, you actually feel the sadness um, for this person to sit down and actually record these tapes. You know, the, 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 conf- the not, I, I loved how they didn't censor her doing it, you know, in the, in the bathtub. You know, it's if if anyone hasn't seen it, sorry for the spoiler, but you know she does it in the bathtub, and it's quite intense. And everyone, you know, was commenting on that, going, "Well, it's a little too much. I didn't need to see that." And I'm like, I think you kind of do need to see that to see how bad and intense and scary it is. Did you feel the weight of that making your film? Or? Definitely, I used water, which is also a symbol of rebirth. And so, you know, the 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 character tries to drown himself. Side note, that's a beautiful scene as well. I want to ask about the spirit that you talk about in the bush. Um, can you talk about it specifically and what does it mean for this story? Uh, the spirit is, is funny because I kind of wrote him as someone who you don't see the features of um, and you don't really, it's, it's sort of just like a blur, um, like, a, like a black shadow, I guess. And further and further into editing the script, it turned into it being him, so, but a, a naked version of him. Uh, so he's not wearing clothes or anything like that. It's just, it's a bare spiritual version of him. Um, and, and in the film, it's always running towards him. Um, so it's sort of like a symbol of no matter what, your worst, your worst enemy is you. And it's, and it's always going to be you. And it's always going to be running at full speed towards you, no matter what you go through. So you're going to have to face it. You can't keep running away from yourself. There are so many elements to this film, and I feel like because it's a short film, they kind of race past you. Like there are definitely it's a loaded film, and it's a short film as well. It's you don't really get much time to breathe or process things. Is there any reason why you chose the short film format as opposed to a longer format? Well, it's funny you say that because with this film especially, um, it's a part of a feature. Um, so it's 
so this story is is one of four stories of a feature that's sort of similar to like Crash or Babel, but it's set uh, in in Western Australia during um, the foreclosure of communities. So it's uh, four four lives that deal with death differently. So one will deal with death, will will deal with it. One will want to do it. One will witness it, and one will stop someone from doing it. So these Sorry. themes of Jolly are related to the foreclosure of communities in Western Australia. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so he in in the feature Johnny's character isn't an ex dancer. He's someone who is from the community who is kind of facing his his home being foreclosed, and his sister is a you know an, an activist. So the brother is not, is actually a sister, um, and she's an activist um, trying to help the community. So you've got this you know contrast of someone not wanting to help the community and kind of being the excuse of why they kind of want to close the community because of whatever their excuses are, you know, oh, well, they're just dull bludgers or, you know, they they waste away the system and stuff. So he's he is actually that. Um and and she isn't. She's she's fighting that and and is and trying to represent the culture as something that doesn't do that. And so that's why he he goes and looks for his dog and is faced with the demon of 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 himself and the spirit of the land to kind of show that this is this is your home really. Can you talk about your motivations to go to a community that doesn't have a voice? Yeah, well, you know, this country has a a lot of beauty in it, <laughs> and most of that beauty comes from rural communities. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go to Northern Territory a lot. Uh, to Dullamboy and Nullamboy and Yedikala and it, you know, you, you could say being in being an urban being an urban person or being from the city that there's nothing there, but there's there's so much there and there's so much culture there and and there's so much beauty within the culture and and all these amazing things and then you know to to kind of want to shut that down because of a a money thing you know whether it's 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 because the government in that state needs more money and they find the weakest thing that they can find to kind of pull money from and and that's and that's the only reason why so there's no real heart to it at all it's disappointing and you know you can come down to the fact that it's you know the culture that we're losing and stuff but it's not just the culture of the aboriginal identity that we're losing it's the culture of kind of Australia that we're losing. You know, I always got angry at people that would finish high school and be like, I'm going to go help kids in Africa. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. But, you know, there's also kids that you can go and help here as well. <laughs> you know, this is this is technically a third world country as well. <laughs> like there's parts of Australia that's very third world. <laughs> I guess I'm curious about your... You've done work with Bangara and you've done work in television. And I guess I want to know... Where did you pull from to make this film? Well, I've always I've always had that motivation to make um, and and to create, especially in this in this industry of film and television. Ever since I was little, I remember being eight years old and watching uh, Great Expectations with um, Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow. Is that I have not seen it. I actually don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I loved it. I just yeah, I loved the fact that I felt something. And I was like, I want to do that, whether it's acting or writing or directing. And then as the years came and, and, and I grew up, but it was always a passion to tell stories in that format. 
to kind of to, to to kind of always have that passion and drive. I always knew what I wanted to do, and then dealing with kind of what happened in my life just recently with my uncle and my cousin, and you know, a lot of death in 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 my family at the moment. I kind of needed that cathartic release, and I, you know, you obviously needed that first project as well to kind of make people read your next script and take you a little bit seriously if you if you have a dream and to to keep progressing so i just thought why not do this film so i can get myself a little bit of a release um and kind of affect people <laughs> as well and make them feel what i felt all those years ago when i or now even when i watch a film or television you know when things are dull and 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 kind of you can't connect with it all well then you kind of switch off in your head so i can't really watch reality tv sometimes because i just i don't i don't feel anything i always kind of got to watch something that i feel the reason why i love the notebook isn't because of the gods well it is mostly sometimes because of the gods but it's also because you know you you feel the romance and and you want to be loved like that so i kind of needed to let that out Okay, I'm so blissed out that you love the notebook. I've never, I've never <laughs> heard someone speak so passionately about the notebook. <laughs> um, I guess also on, as a follow up, you've worked in dance. You've, you're, you know, you've like been around Bangara for so long. You've been around filmmakers like Warwick Thornton, Leah Purcell, Rachel Perkins. So you have been surrounded by pretty intense Australian art. You Definitely. know, drawing from some of the strongest pools of culture that this country has to offer. But sometimes art is not the real thing. Was there a moment where you went, okay, I've heard it all, I've seen it all, and then your actual aha moment, you know, of going to Northern Territory that sort of unlocked something for you? Can you remember? Uh, definitely. It wasn't uh, going to Northern Territory, actually. I did a, um, yeah, um, I did a, I guess it was a documentary type series um, uh, called Shadow Trackers um, for NITV, where we, me and um, Zach James uh, went around uh four different places in, in in Australia to investigate um, traditional spirit stories and urban legends within Australia. And then we got to a, we got to Fitzroy Crossing um, in Western Australia. And I had an experience <laughs> where I, I was trying to get something for the camera because I was like, Oh God, you know, I was, I was one of those douches. What's in some of those like haunted haunted investigation series that like you watch and you go this is so fake because that guy's a douche like and then someone was like no this guy's really genuine i reckon everything in this show is real but no i was the douche guy for that for that part of the trip and i started wanting to do things for the camera um to make it out in the edit that we actually had experiences um which we did but it wasn't anything physical and so i was like okay well let's try and so i picked up a pebble and, you know, hit it, hit it next to me and kind of like flicked it. And then Zach freaked out. And I was like, okay, perfect. Also, we've, we've, we've like got a rock. And then there was a moment where I threw a rock into the bush. And um, I remember sitting down and literally having the sensation of being slapped. Um, and, and hearing, hearing, um, uh, kind of don't want to <laughs> repeat it, but hearing wings. Um, and in our culture, that's a sign of someone who's very powerful within the spiritual realm, who I kind of don't want to repeat his name. If anyone who knows what I'm talking about, they'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was it was basically that spirit teaching me a lesson of how dare you even question if we're real or, or, or not. 
especially when this is this is you. So that was a real moment where I was like, wow, I'm not only Indigenous, but I'm susceptible to this type of spirituality. And no matter what, I am a spiritual person because of this. And so this is my chance to really revel in my culture. And so, you know, it kind of made everything make make sense that my dad always talks about when it comes to Bengar and it comes to culture and it comes to spirit. He always used to tell me to, you know, keep things sacred. Uh, not not everything needs to be told or done to someone to to prove to them or to or to or to make them think something about you. You know, it, there's a there's a real powerful thing within within being sacred um, and sacred to yourself and to your own spirit. Um, and to share what you think is 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 important to share, and not to overload the sharing. So yeah, it, that that was one of the moments that um, made me understand. It's really interesting because <laughs> this whole series, I guess, is about what is shared, what isn't shared, what is censored, what exactly. isn't censored, yeah. and what's come up a lot through the episodes is self censorship and. There's self-censorship on what you want to say, there's self-censorship on how to talk about certain topics in an appropriate way, but there's also a censorship of, like, I guess what you're talking about is something that's sacred and not needing to prove something and not needing to prove it to yourself or to others, I guess. Definitely. Definitely. I think you're the first person to talk about that. (laughs) One last thing I wanted to talk about was blind casting. Yeah. The... uh... The thorn in my thigh. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So talk about that. Why is blind cut? Like, why is it the thorn in your thigh? Oh, uh, look. It's it's a, it's a tricky thing because you know it's it's progressing, and it's not. Um, you know, going back to that circle idea that I was talking about before. You know, it's there's 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 times where you know a project will have will have you know like clever man or. or or something will have a lot of of culture in it, um, and not just culture as in you know someone's culture. Culture as in you know a a, a social uh, current culture where you walk outside and not everyone is white. <laughs> like the, the, there'll be projects where they'll only have room for one, and so it ends up being a fight to the death within your small community of actors that are that one, which I find really mean <laughs> in all, in all sense of, of the word mean, you know, it's like a putting a little bit of salt on, on a dish and saying that's fine, but it obviously needs more seasoning because it's very bland. Great analogy. Bland, you no, that's that awesome. Are you kidding me? That's a great cooking analogy. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's progressing because there's things, you know, and there's obviously a lot of Indigenous projects and, you know, uh, family law as well, uh, which are non-Indigenous projects, but are projects that are, you know, progressing within with, with showing, I guess, the minority more on TV. And then there's and then there's some where it just keeps the token, which unfortunately are the ones that are a little bit more famous than the than the other ones which is a little unfair. And, you know, it comes to mainstream television. Um, I was watching Love Island the other day, and I was like, they all look the same. (laughs) Yeah. They all look like they're from Manly or Bondi, and they're all really 
I'm not even going to say white. I'm just going to say bland. Like it's super bland. Like it's just really bland. There's this like one swing where it's saying representation is really, really important, and we need to be represented in the way that we look on screen. But then I think you're seeing not only just white cast, but also white boring cast. Yeah. See, it's 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 not so much white as in the meaning of the color of someone's skin. It's white as in the meaning of 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 dullness. And, yeah, and, and like and, mainstream. And, like yeah, even when you have a yeah. token character, they're like devoid of characteristics Definitely. or backstory or see but everyone is and and that's what frustrates me with um some of the mainstream media not just here but around the world where you know okay so we spend we spend 10 years shaking our booties throwing money around drugs rock and roll violence a lot of violence and all this stuff and then look at the world so whatever is in entertainment and mainstream media is what the world is taking in so when we don't have all the right necessities of representation and then when it is a film about blacks or something like that it's about the fact that it is a film about blacks do you know what i mean like it's 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 that it isn't just it isn't not spoken about and just given to you as an idea of normality it's actually no this is a film about black slavery yeah. So we're going to talk about black slavery now and we're going to put some guilt and, and, and some knowledge and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just like, um, here's, here's Ocean's 14 with half the cast Asian, half the cast black. And we, and we still got our Brad Pitt though. In a chill way. Yeah. Also, I really liked what you're talking about with your dad and how you're talking about you can get tied into this circle, but you can also just be active and you can be putting into the world what you want to see in the world. Growing up with, with Indigenous cinema, you know, I loved I loved the short films like uh, Greenbush, which is a Warwick Thornton short, uh, short, short film um, with uh, the late David Page in it. And, um, and it's, it's it, it, see, the, the cool thing about Warwick that I, that, that I really love when I got to give it out to him is that whenever he shows blackfellas from community, he, he doesn't hide away from anything. He actually shows what they actually are like in community, you know, to the point where there's, this is just stupid, but to the point where, you know, there's, there's, there's snot coming out the nose or, you know, they're all wearing flannelette shirts. Like, like, like it's, 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 it's real. It's, it's what he sees. And, and there's, there's, there's no him hiding anything in there and there's no him trying to change or mold something into what he thinks is a, is a good image for people to see and, and, and be receptive to. So I kind of, you know, I loved, I loved that. And, and, you know, in, in, in response to what you were just saying as well, when it comes to, you know, indigenous cinema, which a lot of it is fantastic. And it's not just indigenous c- cinema as well. It's, um, you know, Australian film too. You know, there's, there's only a few fun loving films, you know, most of them are very confronting. Uh, Snowtown, Animal Kingdom, God Chopper. But it's not, it's not the creators, it's, it's the audience. It's like Australian audiences think that the goodness and, and, and what they crave is, is, is so dark. You know, everything that kind of is successful is, is, is really dark, <laughs> which is kind of depressing mm. at times. <laughs> this is so weird, yeah. but yeah. There was, we watched The Miseducation of Cameron Post yesterday, which is about a yeah. uh, conversion camp, and there's this angry guy in it. And there's this one line that really stuck with me where the gay conversion therapist who's really strangely drawn and actually weirdly compassionate, but also like quite evil, 
says to him, why do you feel the need to punish other people for not being as traumatised as you are? <laughs> and I was like, whoa, is that, like, how Australians approach cinema? <laughs> yes. Like, oh, they have to just traumatise each other yes. so that we can all be on, like, a level playing field or something? Definitely. Like, I watched this film the other night called Ibiza. There's really not much to it at all. And I was reading this, like, review for it, and this guy's, like, at the end of the review, he says, who wants to watch a film about a chick falling in love with someone and then being happy at the end? It's like, why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 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 why does something bad need to happen? <laughs> I kind of felt that in Ocean's 8. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't need a backstory. I don't care. Yeah. And I read all of these, like, slightly misogynist reviews about it where I was like, okay... I don't want to get into this whole conversation yeah. about Ocean's 8 right now, but I was like, why not? Like, why do we yeah. have to have this? Like, I yeah. like I get drama and conflict and it raises the stakes and, you know, it kind of carries you along. But, like, when the world is just filled with so much shit these days, it's kind of nice to just watch some thing good happen. Some, like, wish fulfillment. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's... I know, I actually, like, have been dreaming about, like, the perfect escapism. Like, what is the nicest thing after the nicest thing after that? Like, what is the nicest film you can think of that just does nice things for, like, two hours? That is just, like, literally putting that into the world. See, 27 Dresses. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, My Little Pony movie. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But like even even then, like I've got a TV show that I'm that I'm kind of trying to get up and running, and you know I've it's you know I've I've put in this this like dark element in it. But then I've kind of like stepped back and gone, well, let even the dark element can be quite fun. And it was similar to like uh, you know Twin Peaks as well, you know where dark elements happen, but then you're kind of laughing at the absurd like absurdity about it, you know. So like you know there there'll be a killer on the loose in in the show that I'm writing, for example, but. You know, it's sort of like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine version of the killer on the loose, but with a little tinge of Quentin Tarantino. So you still, you still got, you still have the threat, but you're not scared of it, and 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 it's not ruining your day, basically. Nakia Louie's kind of doing it. Yeah, yeah, totally, Nikia totally, Louis is really definitely fun and funny. Definitely, I can only dream of. Uh... That show, that Brooklyn Nine Nine, <laughs> oh meets Quentin Tarantino, meets, Tarantino, meets Hunter Page Lockhart, <laughs> <laughs> meets Twin Peaks, meets uh, funny surrealness. <laughs> oh my god, is this room the future of cinema? Is this, <laughs> where it's, this is where it happens. You heard it first. This is where everything gets started. Thank you so much for listening to Dangerfield. I think think we have to wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you so much, Hunter Page Lockhart, for being in the no room worries. with us. Yeah. Thank you for listening to my rambling. Coming up next time on Dangerfilm. <laughs> you can subscribe on the FBI website, on iTunes, Dangerfilm. Actually movies 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 where we have our weekly show and also this one for the sydney film festival thanks for listening this podcast is produced by fbi radio in sydney find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts